Live from Orlando, Florida, you're listening to the Orlando Magic HQ Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. What's up, Magic fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Orlando Magic HQ Podcast. We're your hosts, Al, myself, Anthony. And in today's episode, we are so proud and excited to introduce our special guest, the newest addition to the Orlando Magic HQ team, Brett James. BJ, what's up, man? Anthony, Al, thank you guys for having me on the podcast. Excited to be a part of this staff, the community. Um, Everyone's been extremely welcoming. I appreciate you guys reaching out. And, man, I'm just truly excited for this journey, man, this next chapter in the Magic community. And, man, I'm just excited to watch some Magic basketball next season. Yeah, for sure. If you're not familiar with BJ, BJ is has been doing YouTube content for a minute now. I remember the first time I saw your video was like maybe two years ago. So you've been doing this for a really, really long time. And uh, as as we try to expand and be able to bring magic content in literally every stream of media possible, YouTube was definitely one of the fields that we wanted to to have a, a stronger presence in. And, you know, who better to do that than the guy that's already doing it? Um, if you're not familiar with BJ's work, man, he, he is a, a, a tool of the trade. You do coverage for a wide variety of NBA um, and football. You're, you're an avid Jaguars fan, which I'm so sorry, but they, they have gotten better in the recent years. So I'm sure that's really exciting as well. But man, before we jump into anything in today's episode where we are going to talk about just kind of a recap from the season, some really interesting news when it comes to rookie of the year race. I'm really upset about and I, I'm, I need a vent because <laughs> I can't believe what I just read literally 10, 15 minutes ago. It's going to drive me absolutely insane. And they kind of talk about the, the playing news and how that's going to really impact uh, the Orlando Magic. But before we get into that, I definitely want to get to know or, or allow the fan base to kind of get to know you a little bit, BJ, to understand what type of Magic fan you are, how, what, what is your exposure um, and just to get to know you a little bit. So so really, first off, because I, I feel like it needs to be addressed first and foremost. You're not just a Magic fan. You're also a Utah Jazz fan. So explain exactly how it is that someone is a Magic fan and a Jazz fan at the exact same time, because I believe you have to be like the only one out there. Yeah, I, I will admit I have met one other Magic and Jazz fan out there, which was extremely okay. like rare. Um, so I'm born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, um, 22 years of my life, but I did move down here to Orlando because I was attending the University of Central Florida. So I moved down here in the summer of 2022. I'm no longer enrolled at UCF. So me being born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, you know, my first basketball memories and I guess real connection with the NBA was with the Orlando Magic and obviously them essentially being my hometown team. That's exactly how I became a Magic fan. And then being a Utah fan, my stepdad, he's from Salt Lake City, born and raised a jazz fan. So he taught me, you know, everything about jazz basketball early on. So my earliest memories of basketball were Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, Andre Karolinko, you know, those guys. And then transition into the magic when we're talking about Rashad Lewis, Dwight Howard, Jameer Nelson, you know, Gortat. Like those were my earliest impressions of the magic, too. So I grew up me choosing to be a magic fan, but I was kind of forced into being a jazz fan. Um, so I have a deep love and root and affiliation for both teams. Both have a deep, you know, kind of special meaning to me. Don't feel bad, man. It's funny because I'm kind of the same. And those that listen to the podcast know the story, <clears throat> but I used to live up north, grew up a Vince Carter fan, 
And it really mm-hmm. wasn't until Vince got traded to the Magic <clears throat> yep. in 09 that I said, this is a team that I enjoy watching. And since then, it kind of stuck with me. But it's one of those teams where it, it didn't come natural to me. I kind of mm-hmm. made the decision to, to become a Magic fan, which yeah. after the way I got traded, not many people <laughs> stuck around being a fan of the team. But uh, I'm one of those. Uh, but now, man, we're, we're happy to have you as a fan. And again, doing the amazing work that you do covering this team now on YouTube. Uh, so we're excited to have you uh, as part of the team. Now, you mentioned some great names in that list. I got to ask you. So out of all those names, who is your favorite player of all time that has worn a Magic uniform? And I'm, I'm going to throw another little wrinkle in there, too. Who is your current favorite player on the team? Okay, so all time, I mean, me being a short dude and me kind of modeling my game after a lot of great all-time point guards, non-Magic related, guys like Rondo, Chris Paul. Um, was a big Trey Burke fan when he was at the University of Michigan, him coming into the league. But favorite Magic player of all time is probably Jameer Nelson. Um, he was the first Magic point guard I really idolized. And obviously, we had a lot of success with Jameer Nelson, one of the greatest Magic players to really put on a uniform. And then current, you know, I want to say Markel Fultz, um, but I honestly feel like it's the popular answer. I'm a very big Jalen Suggs, Suggs advocate. Um, I've always had a lot of support for him. I still truly believe he's the two guard of the future for the Magic. That's a topic for another day. But Jalen Suggs to me is probably my favorite Magic player as of right now, too, though, on, on the roster. I like those options, man. I, I feel like one of the biggest mistakes Magic have done is not finding a way to bring Jameer Nelson back home in, in some mm-hmm. capacity within the organization. And when, when you talk about a player that spent like a, a solid decade with the Magic, has collectively have been a fan favorite across the board without Absolutely. without any asterisk or or you know civil war between uh you know the fan base. Jameer Nelson is like the the one consistent, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So the fact that they have him somewhere in the Philadelphia uh, organization in some capacity is is a little bothersome because that man should be here and absolutely matter of time he built his legacy he, here he ends up getting his flowers yeah, definitely my favorite magic point guard um like i said he's the first magic point guard i grew up idolizing obviously like i said had a finals run with him that's something we're never gonna you know take for granted especially being magic fans and um no jameer nelson's definitely my favorite magic player of all time yeah, so now that there's there's the three of us right now in, in this episode, I, I think that it's really important because I, I bring this up every single time there's an introduction because I, I feel like, you know, it's something that needs to be said. Al is a, a very advocate of Vince Carter, believes Vince Carter is one of the greatest to ever do it, blah, 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 right? <laughs> I believe Trace McGrady towers over Vince Carter in every capacity. So if you were to choose between Vince Carter and Trace McGrady, who are you selecting? Like who is who is, what what which horse do, are you do, betting? Do we have do we have some context behind you know roster construction? Or am I just saying just blindfolded? Who am I taking at Blind, their peak? Blind blindfolded, and I'll, I'll I'll put it this way, just to kind of keep things even and fair. We'll we'll go prime Vince, prime T Mac. I'll take prime T Mac. I'm go. taking prime T Mac. I, I think no complication, simple answer. Right. I mean, no hesitation. I'm going to get Vince obviously the athleticism, but I think just strictly being what Tracy McGrady was on a multitude of teams and not because Vince didn't, because obviously Vince is very well traveled as well too. And him being a Florida boy as well too, you know, being born and raised in Daytona, you know, it's, it's hard not to idolize Vince Carter too, especially, you know, him being the greatest dunker in NBA history, arguably, but prime team Mac, I'm, I'm taking prime Tracy personally. 
Easy. Al, you don't even need to respond. Just just let it be. I'm, I'm just yeah, yeah I'm I'm not gonna respond. <laughs> yeah, just let it <laughs> let it be. BJ, talk to us, man. It, when when it comes to bringing you on board and, and you doing your your YouTube uh content that you've done for years now, what what can people expect moving forward as it comes to you and Orlando Magic content? Yeah, so I'll say when you guys reached out, I'm officially joined onto the staff as of this past Monday. Um, my whole philosophy kind of changed and my mindset kind of changed when it came to my approach to the magic community, the magic Orlando magic HQ community, and just kind of what I want to pursue moving forward with the content. And that's really going to be strictly focusing on purely Orlando magic content, you know, helping put on for the podcast like we're doing right now and just really sticking with that niche of constantly pushing out any Orlando magic content I can on the YouTube channel, both yours and on mine at, you know, the Brett James and then also continuing to stick with all my Jacksonville Jaguars um, football talk that I've been doing for essentially two years now since Trevor Lawrence came into the league is when I started doing Jaguars content on YouTube. So because I was doing a wide variety of NBA topics, even though I was you know, a diehard Magic fan, that was something that I had already considered being a lot more in touch and in you know, communication with the fan base, especially now that I am here in the community and I'm 20 minutes down the road from the arena. It's definitely – something that I had considered, and this is now going to be my full approach, consistently just pushing Orlando Magic content during the season, during the offseason, hopping on the podcast, doing articles, covering these games, and just really being a lot more involved in the Magic community. Yeah, man, we're we're excited. So if you're not already subscribed to my man Brett James's channel, make sure that you're doing that. But more content, Orlando Magic specifically, because I feel like that's there's there's a there's a major void right now when it comes to this type of content covering the Orlando Magic. So make sure that you subscribe to him, subscribe to us, and and follow all the great things that are coming. Man, we're super excited. Now let's let's get into really talking about the Orlando Magic. All right, one of the biggest news that we've seen already. Um, the Orlando Magic already getting to work. Major announcement when it comes to their G League affiliate team, the Lakeland Magic. They made a move, man. They made a great move. They so did. if you remember, kind of taking it back a little bit, um, before they announced that they were bringing a G League team locally, they had two destinations that they were looking at. They were looking at Lakeland and they were looking at Kissimmee. And they decided to go Lakeland. I'll be honest with you, in the very beginning, I was extremely disappointed. Felt like it was a missed opportunity. And five, fast forwarding five years later, the Orlando Magic has announced that they're moving from Lakeland right on down to Kissimmee. So they are now going to be transitioning their name from Lakeland Magic to the Osceola Magic. Um, they're going to be playing the Silver Spurs Arena. And quite frankly, as, as a Kissimmeean myself currently, they're right down the road, man. They're about 10 minutes away. So I'm excited to have a G League team really, really close and nearby. Um, but Brad, I'm going to ask you first, when it, when it comes from you know, Lakeland to Kissimmee. Now the team is the G League team is less than 30 minutes away from the arena. What benefits or or how do you feel about the decision of moving the team, you know, a little closer to to where they consider home? I think there's really nothing but benefits and positives you can take away from this, not only with you know the organization, but also when you talk about the community as a whole, too, right? For the people that are over in Osceola County, right there in Kissimmee and the southern parts of Orlando. This helps bring a lot more fans, even just casual fans, who maybe can't afford to go to an Orlando Magic game or the availability of, hey, driving all the way down I-4 to get up into downtown Orlando. The availability of being right there brings in more people. It brings in more eyes, possibly brings in more revenue. And then when you talk about the organization as a whole, too, just having the availability of, hey, these guys are 25, 30 minutes away just down I-4. 
from the arena, also the Advent Health Center as well to the training facility. So this allows the players that are in the G League not to be an hour and a half away, basically in Tampa, Florida at that point, right? You know, you're about 30 minutes from Tampa over there in Polk County. So I think that this is only going to bring in positives, not only for the organization, but also just for the casual people that genuinely want to attend these events and maybe take some more eyes onto basketball. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a game changer. I do feel bad for some of the Lakeland residents. Um, I, I have a couple of friends that they're, they're really big Lakeland magic fans. It's just, you know, something casual that they're able to go take their family on, not expensive, be able to watch some of the games, especially this past year where you were able to see players like RJ Hampton in the G league. Uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan Isaac had a few games, you know, Kevon Harris, like, uh, you you were able to get a good Caleb Houston. You were able to get like really good talented players and be able to watch them live. So it's unfortunate for the Lakeland fan base, you know. However, it's a lot of excitement in my opinion. The fact that it's down the road, you know, it's 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 great for these players, man, because you don't have to drive an hour and a half to transition. Especially our our two way contracts, where they're the ones that are really doing the most type of traveling is really going to impact them the most. You know, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about. What about you, Al? You made the drive all the way to Lakeland. Uh, this past season, be able to watch, you know, Jonathan Isaac live and whatnot. How how do you feel? Do you feel like this was a good move on the magic part? Oh, 100%, man. I, I mean, one thing I'll say, and I think I said it on that episode when we talked about that game that I went to, um, just a drive there, man. Yeah. If you look at it on Google Maps, it'll tell you it's an hour and 10 minutes. But that I-4 traffic, man, <laughs> at, at, at that 5, 6 o'clock time frame, it's horrible. It took us almost two hours to get there. So I, I don't even want to think about, you know, the the typical parent that wants to bring a kid from Orlando to Lakeland to watch a game. It's, it's a nightmare because again, you driving two hours there an hour and a half back. It's, it's, it's a lot, but for the players, for the team, it's, it's a win-win. Um, I told my friends that day, like it's too bad. They didn't choose Kissimmee way back when, when they made the decision and here we are a few months later and now they're in Kissimmee. Um, so from a player's standpoint, from a team standpoint and a fan standpoint here in Orlando, I think it's a win. And don't forget, we're about to have three two-way players going forward uh, with the new CBA agreement. So that's now three guys that can kind of be here in town, nearby, practicing locally with the team, and then just going back and forth when they need to. Um, So in my opinion, win-win for the team and also for the Lakeland, uh, or now the Osceola Magic. Yeah, I will say that I wish or I would have preferred if they would have went Kissimmee Magic instead of the Osceola Magic. Me too. Same. Yeah, the them deciding to go with the county name, I wasn't too yeah. fond about. I can kind of see the reason why Orlando Magic, Osceola Magic, OM. You know, if that's if that's something that they're you know detailed looking at, but I would have preferred you know Kissimmee Magic. I, I think that that would have been um, you know a nicer, nicer feel, nicer name, mm-hmm. and emphasize the city because uh, man, Kissimmee is is literally a walk away. I live right on the borderline, so I'm literally one line away from Orlando one light away from Kissimmee and like I'm, I'm dead center in the middle. So again, a lot of things to be excited for, for, um, you know, all the Osceola residents. Now, in addition to all this great information that we, that we heard so far, um, you know, it's not that often that we get to hear words from Jeff Weltman, right? It's kind of like throughout the whole season, he kind of go hibernates in a cave. Occasionally will pop out and, and be at the game and, and, you know, watch from the tunnel and whatnot, but we really don't get a chance to really hear from him. Sometimes in the in the midseason, and it's really for you know one day where he's doing a blast media and he's on two, three different channels. Um, and then the exit interviews. So just recently, Jeff Woman was quoted 
<clears throat> that he said that an agent told him recently that heading into free agency, the Magic are one of the buzziest teams um, right now in the NBA. The buzziest. It's an interesting choice of words. I would imagine emphasizing that there's a lot of buzz around the Orlando Magic, right? Well, we all agree that that's kind of the terminology he meant by it. Um, Brett, when you when you think about the buzziest teams, are, are you expecting – like there, there's obviously a lot of hype around the Magic. Rookie of the Year, Paolo Bancaro. We got two draft picks hopefully coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, we're really, really close into the play-in. We we destroyed a lot of really good basketball teams this year. Um, big moves. Are you expecting for the Magic to make big moves? Are you expecting for the Magic to use a lot of that money that we have now? Are you expecting them to go out and and try to win now and and find a player through trade? Well, what do you what do you think the Magic are going to do this offseason? I'm going to be completely blunt. Absolutely not. Nope. I, I don't see it. I don't see Jeff Weltman pulling the fire on the trigger, uh, to put it plain and simple. I don't see him going out there spending big money in free agency. I don't see him going out there making some big-time trade this offseason to go in and try to bring in another all-star caliber guard or forward or whatever Jeff Weltman and the organization decides that they need moving forward. I think that they're going to say, you know what, we're going to stay put. We're going to let Jamal Mosley and the rest of this young core that we've had intact the last couple of seasons go into essentially two, three, quote, rebuild again um post fournier aaron gordon nikola vucevic era and we're gonna let these guys hopefully knock on wood be healthy go into the season and go and compete we finished off the season 29 and 28 the last 59 games or 58 games whatever the math is for that after starting the season off five and 20 they're gonna go in head and shoulders saying we're gonna let these young guys develop when we feel the time is right and when we feel as if hey maybe the trade deadline's coming up we're an above 500 team. Now, how do we take this to the next level? Then maybe Jeff Weltman and them decide to revisit that conversation and say, hey, maybe there's a disgruntled all-star that wants to be moved. Maybe we go and make a power play and really take ourselves over the hump in the Eastern Conference. As of right now, I don't see the Magic going out there being big spenders in free agency or making a big trade. They haven't done that really in the past. It's not been their philosophy, and it didn't really need to be their philosophy. Same thing goes into this offseason. I don't foresee that happening. Yeah, I think my my biggest fear is that uh, we use the excuse of, well, we weren't healthy. So imagine if we were. Why do we need to go out and make a really big move when, you know, we started off 5-20 and 20 because we didn't have a point guard. We didn't have a healthy point guard, mm-hmm. right? So, Al, uh, tell me, is that is that a reasonable enough excuse? If the Magic decided not to do anything this offseason, they decide, hey, we're just going to kind of fill everything out in this draft, would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with them not doing a – a big signing or or a big trade. I think as, as as a fan base, right? We we are due. We've been waiting for Jeff and John to pull the trigger at some point since what they got here. Really, 2017. We kept waiting for that AG trade. We kept waiting for that boot trade, and then it finally happened in 2021. Um, this offseason, though, I gotta I gotta agree with Brett. I think that we may be a year early, and knowing this front office, they're not gonna rush anything. So I don't see why. They will need to rush out at this point. Now, don't get me wrong. If Boston calls and tells you, hey, we, we are entertaining Jalen Brown, what could you offer us? Okay. I don't think Lillard's coming to Orlando, but hey, what if Portland calls you and says, hey, you have two first-round picks that we like. You also have a 2025 Denver pick, and you also have Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, and whatever that we like. Can we talk? I don't think the Magic are going to hang up on them and say, no, we don't, we don't want to talk. I think they'll entertain some things. I think they'll take advantage of that being one of the bussiest teams around, as they're calling it. 
and listen and see what's out there that maybe they can jump into. Now, one thing I will say is Jeff and John do not lose trades. They do not make mm-hmm. dumb moves. So they're not going to rush this thing. They know that. And they said it a couple of times in this um, exit interviews, we're being led right now by a 20 and a 21-year-old. What does that mean? It, it's too early. I, I think they need a couple more years, really, realistically, to hit that prime level to really add a guy that can really help them take the team to the next level. If I'm a Magic fan, if I, again, I'm thinking realistically, I just want the team in the playoffs next year, any way that we can. So we don't need to have like this major talent come to Orlando this offseason to make that happen. We proved, we proved that when healthy, we can do that. Now, I do think we need to address shooting. I do think we need to address adding some vets to this team, but I'm not considering that a major move. I'm considering that just the right moves we're going to make. So in summary, I agree with Brad. I don't think this is the offseason that happens, but mm-hmm. keep an eye. We, we may be surprised, and I hope that we are. That would be amazing if it does happen, but I think it's a year too early. Yeah, I mean, Markel was screaming fourth seed in the beginning of the season, right? So the team believes this. I feel like the Magic ended on a really good note. There's confidence. There's there's definitely a buzz going around. Um, I feel like the Magic... Like I don't, I don't know. I I feel like if if you're gonna go all in on a player, I feel like that time would have been you know a player like Donovan Mitchell. And I feel like that there's not really a player else out there like that, unless you're looking at a player like Jalen Brown. Uh, there there was a little little rumors or or a conversation that people were having around Luca, and I, I I still think that you know Mavs they're, they're it wouldn't make sense. Right. They, there's no way that Mark Cuban, the man that has all the money in the world, would ever let anything like that happen. He just signed a really, really big contract. You know, Luca's going to have to sit there, pout, and just be unhappy being in Dallas because they're not going to let him go. Um, so we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. The great news is that the season is already done. We're, we're already in the postseason going through all this play in tournament stuff. And uh, we'll, we'll find answers out soon. We'll find out what they end up doing. But um, in similar Jeff Wellman take, when this man speaks, he speaks like the world's best politician. He says a whole lot of things and says nothing at the same time. And it's like one of the best skill trade I've ever seen in my life. BJ, you're going to say something? Yeah, I was going to uh, throw out one question out there for you guys really quickly in regards to the free agency matter and offseason. Um, I'm very well aware, and you guys are very well aware too, the entire Magic community is, about all the rumors about Fred Van Vliet this offseason. Before I kind of give my thoughts if that's the one big free agent splash that the Magic decide to make and pull the trigger on, what are your thoughts? You can just be, you know, as brief or as in depth as you want. I say we roll what we have, man. I prefer to have a bunch of twenty-year-old guys that are hungry that want to really develop and grow that have the potential still. Um, not for nothing, but if I look at Van Fleet's stats when he was Cole Anthony's age, Cole is way ahead. So who's to say that Cole cannot become Fred Van Fleet in a few years? Okay. Jalen Suggs, same thing. Um, he's a shooter. He's a vet. He's an NBA champion. So again, if the Magic chose to sign him, I'm not going to be opposed to it. I will trust what the front office is doing. But if you ask me, I think we have guards already in this team, not to mention Markel Fultz, that are getting us those numbers and that have the potential for a lot cheaper than what he would cost us. Right. Anthony? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't blame the Magic organization for going after him. We literally started this season 5-20 and 20 because we didn't have a point guard. So it, it, I don't blame them for being scared. If, if, they're, if this is a season that is, we're definitely going to make the playoffs, this is a move, in my opinion, that you make to ensure that you do make the playoffs. 
championship caliber point guard. He's someone that has has been through the the you know the trenches and he was able to make it all the way to the promised land. So to be able to bring that experience in, I see value in that. I really do. At the same time, if we're if we're looking long term and you believe that Cole Anthony is a part of your future for the long haul, then you don't bring in a player like Fred Van Fleet, which is like in my opinion, they're there's too similar in too many ways. You know, obviously Cole Anthony has more of the athleticism, but I don't, I don't see why you do that if you have confidence in Cole Anthony. If you bring in Fred Van Vliet, just imagine how much of a confidence hit that would bring to Cole Anthony. Mm-hmm. This man has already you know, accepted the fact that he's coming off the bench. He's embracing that role. And then you bring him in. How much more playing time, if everyone is healthy, is he really going to have? So I would have concerns um, just from a Cole Anthony f- uh, supporter myself. But if you bring in it, bring him in, I, I won't be upset. I'll, I'll accept it. It is what it is. But I think that, you know, I would rather us go after a big man like Brooke Lopez. He's a player that I would love to have. Defensive caliber can shoot the basketball. And some of the concerns that we have with Wendell Carter is that he plays more like a power forward than a center at times. Mm-hmm. And we want to be able to have that big center presence. And I feel like that's something that Brooke Lopez, who is also a championship um, a champion, can can bring so yeah you know it's it's a lot of different options out there are you for yeah. or against fred yeah and i'll be super brief uh before i get on to the fred van vliet thing real quick to the, the veteran center pre- presence that you're talking about um it should have been it should have been mo bamba um gosh that had so much potential had so much of a ceiling that just it just never culminated and worked together that one still breaks my heart because bamba's potential and ceiling still is there for me um, just obviously it didn't work out in Orlando, but with Fred Van Vliet, I will say I'm a big like advocate against it. Um, now don't get me wrong. Obviously I'm going to trust the front office at the end of the day to make the right decisions. Um, you know, I'm totally okay with bringing in a veteran leadership, a guy who's like you said, been through the trenches, been through the ringer, won a championship. I think he helps kind of establish that kind of culture in Orlando, but he doesn't fit what we need. He's doesn't he doesn't actually bring in what the magic need, especially when you already have guys like Cole Fultz and Suggs. So that's just my overall thoughts on it. And I just wanted to briefly throw that out there at you guys because I know that there are magic fans that would love to bring him in, just pay him the money and just, you know, ensure that you're going to get into the postseason. Me personally, I think you've already got that in your other three guards as of right now, too, who also have an extremely high ceiling that are all buying into their role. So that's just where I'm at with the whole Fred Van Vliet situation. Yeah, there, there was talk. There was talks about the Magic even making a move, trading for him. So the fact that we bypassed that, and you know, if we do bring him on board, it will be as a free agent. Um, you know, that part I'm at least excited about. the 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 Magic organization, Jeff and and John, they don't they don't make stupid moves, man. They, there's not one move that I was like, "What are you? What are you guys doing?" Like, there's never mm-hmm. been that moment. So, gotta put trust in them. They've been doing good so far. Al, absolutely. All right, so um, we did receive some confirmed ballots. So this this is the topic that I do want to talk about. That we 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 saw this literally just a few minutes before we started recording, and I'm dumbfounded. Like I I have no idea how one they let this happen. Two, what is this guy thinking? And it's in regards to the rookie of the year ballot. So there are some confirmed ballots on people placing their vote on who rookie of the year should be. And in these ballots, you have players and you have people from the media or former players, excuse me, uh, like JJ Reddick. You got, um, you got people like Chris um, Broussard. You got Kevin O'Connor from the ringer. You got Zach Lowe. You got Jalen Rose. 
Uh, you got, you know, Bill Simmons. You got a whole list from the Ringer, Yahoo, ESPN, Fox Sports, uh, everywhere, USA Today. But somehow, some way, you have this one guy named Andy Larson. I don't know who this man is. This is the first time I'm hearing his name. He writes for the Salt Lake Tribune. And his number one first place. So let, let me let me see this real quick. We got two, four, six. So we got about maybe like 20 people that selected Paolo Bain Carroll. Down the list. Paolo, Paolo, Paolo. And the very last name is Andy Larson with Salt Lake. And he voted Walker Kessler as his number one vote for rookie of the year. Who was it? Number two? Number two was J-Dub. Is that is that what he decided that he wanted to be called in the beginning of the season because there was too many James I on the team? So. Yeah, something like that. And then Paulo Bancaro third. So what does this mean, right? Because people can be hearing this and say, well, Paulo Bancaro is still going to win. It means that Paulo is no longer going to be the unanimous vote to win rookie of the year. So, oh, right. Give me some insight because you're 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 a Utah Jazz fan. Mm-hmm. Let me know if you know who this man is, if if we should trust his word. I'm almost thinking that this is a prank. Like, I don't understand. Like, you don't you don't have Chicago Tribune. You don't have the New York Times. You don't have none of these, like, affiliated city, you know, media anywhere near this thing. But somehow the Salt Lake guy chose the Salt Lake player. Explain that to me. So I will say with when it comes to Andy Larson, um, you know, I'm obviously very big into jazz Twitter, um, social media following as well, too, and very involved in the community that I wasn't expecting, you know, even being a jazz fan myself, too, and watching how incredible Walker Kessler was this season, just the overall impact he made and the potential he still has to develop as one of the best young centers in the game. There's no argument needed to be made for Walker Kessler to be this year's rookie of the year, not first. Maybe if you want to argue second over J-Dub, I could see the argument, but there's no argument for Paolo Bancaro. Whether you're working for the Salt Lake Tribune, you're working for you know, WJXT, it doesn't matter what affiliation you have. Paolo Bancaro should be the unanimous rookie of the year, and as you alluded to, that's no longer going to be the case anymore too. And it's already disgraceful enough that he had J-Dub second too, right? If you weren't going to put Paolo Bancaro first, I don't understand how you put him at three, even coming from a Jazz fan myself too. Andy Larson, I do think, is a good guy. Like I said, I've been following him in the, the Colt community um, with the Salt Lake Tribune and a lot of the people involved in the jazz community for a very long time. But that, to me, is just a homer pick. He's doing it really just so he doesn't get ridiculed. Um, nothing more, nothing less. He knows deep down in his heart of hearts that Paolo Bancaro is the true rookie of the year. So he responded, right? So okay. shout out to NBA Central for you know blasting, blasting him a little bit. And Andy responded to the post saying, basically, the advanced stats all favor Kessler. And I've always been an analytically oriented voter. And I think, can't believe you said the word I think. I think I would have made this vote even if I covered another team. I think. Someone, someone responded saying, you're way over-evaluating if we're looking at the encore value to the team and individual production then Paolo is far and away better than Walker Kessler. And he responded, then why are the magic worse when Paolo is on the court than when he's off? Obviously, some of it is who he plays with, but some of it is the missed shots. That's that's what we got. 
That's what he said. He says, I think, my man, like when it, when it comes to any voting for award in the NBA of any kind, we don't use the words I think. It's mm-hmm. I know, I believe, I think. Right. And I will say it's it's hard to evaluate when you look at the advanced analytics of Palo on and off the court with the magic, when you talk about other net rating, offensive efficiency, et cetera, versus what Walker Kessler had to deal with. Both were obviously not in perfect ideal situations when you talk about roster construction. But I will say when the Jazz had Laurie Markinen, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Mike Conley, all prior to the trade deadline, and they were playing like one of the best teams in the Western Conference, that obviously helped open up what Walker Kessler was able to do. And then obviously he was thrust into a bigger role after the trade deadline and guys like that key contributors to the team were gone and the jazz started to decline. He also is playing with a guy in Laurie Markin and who's going to make all NBA 13 this season too, right? The magic don't have anyone near close to that. So there's just no argument. Like I said, even coming from a guy like Walker Kessler who made a tremendous impact that nobody saw coming into his first year in the season, there's no argument for Walker Kessler needing to be a first place ballot vote for rookie of the year. What Paolo did for this magic team this season and the general impact that he made on and off the court, it's, it speaks volumes to just how he is at 20 years of age. There's there's really no other argument for it. Yeah, and I just don't know what the thought process is. Like, did he sit down and just say, man, this can look good if I'm a writer for the Utah Jazz and I select my Utah Jazz player as a rookie of the year and then, by the way, the favorite to win Rookie of the Year all across the board in all of the national media, I'm going to put him in third place. Like, in my opinion, that's an automatic. It's the last time we're, we're accepting your vote of any kind in any one of these awards. And now I'm actually curious. Now I'm going to look out for his name because now I want to know who he picked across the board. Like, did he select Lori Markinen to be the number for to, to be MVP? Like I, I wonder where his list. So I will tell you what. Is. He please he tell chose Laurie Markkinen. He chose him to be a first um, All NBA team, or a bunch of dudes that are like way better yeah. than him. No, but so, so Markkinen is deserving of All NBA third team this season. When you look at the forwards yeah. across the league and the way he played, no, deserving a third team. I can't get behind first or second team, but third team, he's deserving to be on that list. Exactly, third all day, but first, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. There you I, it. it really speaks also that Andy didn't watch any Magic games this season, or maybe one, maybe he saw a Magic game, maybe two, if he was lucky enough. You know, us not playing on national television doesn't help. But if you're going to be a journalist for an NBA team or a Salt Lake Tribune, for that matter, even the casual fans like us, like no, I tune on, I tune in to just about every team multiple times a year. I make sure that I'm watching different games. I'm watching different teams too. And then obviously, you know, you do your best to try to keep up with everything, but uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're gonna at least do it, put my man in number two. Like at, <laughs> at I mean, at least at, at least. the bare at the it's already bad, bare but at the bare yeah. at the bare minimum, at least at least two. Like your argument just can't be because he he missed shots. Like my my man had the worst three point percentage in the month of February and still mm-hmm. won rookie of the month. No, it doesn't make sense. I, I think out of all qualified uh, three-point shooters in the league, I think it's like 120. I think Ben Carroll ranked like 127. It was like he was ranked 127th or 128th in that. Like he's at the bottom of the percentile too. Like I mean, his three-point shooting was just horrible. But there's times where he was getting streaky. I remember that Boston game specifically. Yep. I mean, he, he just couldn't miss. You know, so there's times where you see the potential 
Um, it's just it's going to take him time, and I think this offseason he's going to really hone in on that three point shot. Yeah, you know what I think would be an amazing idea. Uh, you just made a video recently that you posted on both of our channels mm-hmm. uh, where you're talking about Paolo Bancaro, rookie of the year. We need to just slide that into his DMs. That way he can kind of see the <laughs> the package of what we're trying to get him to understand. Of course. And it's already too late. He's already submitted his vote, but at least he can feel like a little dumb dumb afterwards at the bare of minimum. Course. At the bare minimum. <laughs> Man, BJ, I appreciate you joining us so much for the, the first part of our um, podcast today. I really wanted everyone to get to know you, and and, and I hope that this was a, a great introduction to you, to the fan base, and the fan base to you. Um, in just a moment, we're going to transition into our season review, but I definitely want to take a moment to say thank you. You're going to sign off right now, but we are looking forward to having you join us again. For those who don't follow you or aren't subscribed to you, um, can you please share exactly what your handles are and your YouTube channel? Yeah. Uh, before I go ahead and do that with the socials as well, too, like I said, just want to say thank you guys for having me on for the first part of the podcast. Excited to keep growing with the community, keep pushing out all the content and to continue hopping out onto the podcast with you guys consistently. Um, when it comes to my socials, though, you guys can go follow me on YouTube. You guys can find me at Brett James. It'll be one of the first channels that pops up. And then you guys can also go find me through the Orlando Magic HQ as well, too. If you go to the website, orlandomagichq.com, you can go to the itinerary. You'll see the entire staff, and I'll be there at the bottom, too. So you can find all of my socials on Twitter, on YouTube, and you guys can go find me through there. Um, Like I said, thank you guys again for having me on the podcast. Sucks I couldn't be here for the entire time talking about the season review, but like I said, I'm just excited to keep on growing with the community, you guys. Absolutely, man. Brett James. Thank you, man. All right, so let's transition into speaking about this play-in. Man, this play-in tournament so far has been absolutely insane. Certain things that you weren't expected to happen has happened, and it's been fun, man. If I can just take a moment before we actually get into the details, um, man, play-in tournament has been one of the best things that NBA has done. It is, in my opinion, so much fun because it's completely different, obviously, from the playoffs. But it kind of gives you some type of March Madness kind of vibe to it, where it's literally, you know, win or go home type feeling. And I love that because there's high stakes for players like LeBron. There's high stakes for teams like the Heat. There's high stakes for everybody. And it's dope because you have teams that are really trying to fight and make a name for themselves like OKC. And then you have teams like the Miami Heat that, man, why, why are you guys getting stopped by 20, 30 points? Like, that shouldn't, you guys shouldn't be doing it. You guys were just in the NBA Finals, like, you know, the other day. So um, it's been it's been real, real fun to watch. And, man, these play-ins, they're weighing heavily, heavily, heavily on what could impact the Orlando Magic. So, Al, break it down for us. How does this yeah, man. work? Why, so, why would the play-in impact the Orlando Magic? Yeah, so as you guys know, the Magic owned the Chicago Bulls first-round pick this year, right? So we all know that's happening. We're all looking forward towards, hey, let's get that pick to be the best or the lowest, I guess, uh, that it possibly can. It's an additional asset to us, whether that is that we keep the pick and, and make a pick with that, um, with that selection or that we trade it. So... Let's break this down. So with the game tonight between the Bulls and the Heat, so what could happen? If the Bulls win that game, they will be locked into the 15th pick and it will convey to the Magic automatically. So all that means is the Magic will get the 15th pick because it belongs to the Bulls. 
It is top four protected. It didn't fall there, so we get that pick automatically. We're good there. Easy enough. Perfect. The second one is if the Bulls lose against the Heat, the heat so say they lose that game, and OKC also loses against Minnesota, then the Bulls will have a coin flip with OKC to determine who will get the 11th best odds heading into the NBA draft lottery. So if the Thunder and Bulls both lose tonight, they will be, they'll have the same record. They both didn't make the playoffs. There'll be a coin flip to determine who gets the 11th and the 12th pick in the draft. Nice. We don't really want that. They'll be kind of messy. We'll have to wait a few more weeks to find out what pick we actually get from the Bulls. We don't want that. We don't want coin flips. The third one is kind of my favorite. So if the Bulls lose the game against the Heat and OKC beats Minnesota, then the Bulls will have the 11th best odds heading into the NBA draft lottery. Easy enough, simple. Things could happen to the lottery, but we wouldn't know, hey, that's what they're starting at, the 11th best odds, which it's highly unlikely that it will jump to top four. It can, but it's highly unlikely. But in my opinion, that is the best case scenario for the Magic, if you ask me. So if you don't want to wait until sometime in May to find out where we're going to pick, you're either hoping the Bulls beat the Heat, and you know, hey, we have the 15th pick, but if you're hoping for the best case scenario, you hope you're hoping tonight the Bulls lose and OKC beats, beats Minnesota. That's kind of the best outcome for us uh, heading into tonight. What are your thoughts on that? What are you hoping for? Uh, I mean, you're 100%. Like, that's best case scenario, 11 best odds. Like, that's that's what you want, right? And I think that it is it's doable. You know what I mean? You got OKC beating Minnesota OKC. They've been on a tear. SGA is playing out of his mind. Giddy is is living up to everyone's hype. I still don't see it, but everyone else does, and it's is great. Hopefully, uh, you know they don't have a, a a a turn of events where they decide to bring back Rudy Gobert. Is that could that be a thing? Could that he's actually supposed to play? He's supposed to play. Insane. That's yep. crazy. And they're they're excused for that whole punching their teammate on national television. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Insane. I can't believe that happened. My goodness. I will say that after reading shout out, shout out to Woj, who somehow is able to find like all the all the drama. Everything. He said, she said, all that. We're able to get all the whole entire school, man. I I I appreciate that guy for being so nosy and being really, <laughs> really gnarly at what he does. Um, but man, it, it so the Bulls. So here here's my thing about the Bulls, right? is we need the Bulls to lose. But in order for needing the Bulls to lose, then we kind of need a root for the Miami Heat, which it's messy. Not, it's messy. not crazy about. Uh, Kyle Lowry, I absolutely, if there's one player that I do not like in the NBA, it's, it's Kyle Lowry, right? And then on the flip side, it's kind of like, you know, they they got Vooch also, so you you there's a part of you that still wants a root for Vooch, and you want Vooch to do well, right? But in order for us to be successful for the future of our franchise, we need the Miami Heat, who just got destroyed, to demolish the Chicago Bulls. I think it's doable. Like I I I, I see it happening because there's no way the Miami Heat are going to come out and play like dog crap for two games in a row. It's just not happening. If it makes you feel better, though, whoever wins, it's going to have to play Giannis and the Bucks. 
and there's no way they're beating that team. So no. if it is Vooch that goes on to advance, great for him. We'll be rooting for him because we like Vooch in Orlando, right? But he's going to get spanked in the first round yet again. And if it's Miami that wins tomorrow, you know, it, it is what it is. We're rooting for them for one night. We can do it. After that, they're going to get spanked by the Bucks either way. So no matter what happens, it's only one night. This might take away a this. Yeah, I was I was talking to my buddy who's a diehard Miami Heat fan, and I'm just like, man, I need y'all to show up. Stop playing around. I need y'all to show up. Like, this is the one and That's only right. time. We've been friends for over a decade. This is the one and only time that I'm telling you that I want your team to do well. You can't mess this up. And if if you know anybody in the organization, I can slide you some intel on some <laughs> of Vooch's weaknesses. I, I'm more than willing to do that. I just need you guys to get the job done. Listen, man, if you're a Magic fan, you have to be rooting for the Heat. Again, I know it's hard to say. Even that, even saying that, it's like, what did I just say? But yeah, you want to root for the Bulls to lose that game. Just because, again, worst case scenario, we get the 12th pick instead of the 11th. If the coin flip, if that's the case, goes against us. So either way, the way I'm thinking about this is it's an asset. I'm not thinking about it as any affiliation to any team. It's an asset that we're getting from that team. And if that's the case, man, we, we got to hope for the 11th, 12th pick instead of the 15th. Whether it's a trade, whether we're actually using that pick, it's going to help us out. So if you're a Magic fan, that's got to be the outcome that you're hoping for. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the season review. Al, after a 5-20 and 20 start, we're waking up and the Magic just lost their 20th game of the season with no point guard in sight. You got Apollo Bancaro, Franz Wagner holding it down, doing the best that they can. And what are you thinking at that point? At that point, are you thinking, man, that's it, man. We're 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 on the train for Victor Wembanyama. Like that's us. Or were you indifferent? Or did you believe that the impossible was possible and the magic were able to turn around at that point what were you feeling so i think the best way to answer that is if you go back to the episode that we recorded after we lost our 20th game we were man i would i, I actually gotta go back and listen to that episode because we were so down we were like what happened we were expecting so much out of the season and here we are we're looking just like last year's team um so being realistic i was Starting to think that, hey, tanking might be the best way, the best course for this team. It's supposed to be this generational draft class. Just keep losing then. If we cannot get healthy, let's go do that. But it's funny because I quickly changed because Markel came back, Cole Anthony came back, and it's like we wanted this six-game winning streak shortly after that. And it's like, wait, so we can be good. And it quickly became, we can turn this around. So it's a weird way to answer it, but it's really a two-part answer. It's I embrace the tank for like two games. And then we won six in a row. And I'm like, never mind. We, we can make this happen. So I, I'm going to have to go with, I believe we could turn it around a few days later. That was my mindset. But for a few days, I will, I almost joined Dylan with the mindset of let's just tank. But I couldn't do it. How about you? Dude, dude and, and I think that that's, that's the funnest part when, when we look back at this season is all the different things that, that happened, right? There's, there's so many high points and low points that this season was a fun season. Like you, you can go back and you can get frustrated at, you know, Markel Fultz stubbing his toe and, and, you know, Franz Wagner and Paolo holding down the point guard position to, you know, Mo Wagner and all his shenanigans and, and getting it into it with Al Horford and, and getting it into it with Killian Hayes and slapped in the back of his head and knocking out to 
you know, the fan base battle with Eddie House and the Celtics and beating them back to back. Like beating them the first time was so was so fun just because Eddie House was talking all types of smack. And then we played them again. We smacked them over again. It, it was so like this season was great. And then Jonathan Isaac, you know, we we watching, we're watching the Lakeland Magic. You know, they're they're playing the Lakeland Magic on the Valley Sports. Like we're we're able to watch the games. Like we sent our videographer all the way to Lakeland to make sure that he captured it in person. Shout out to you, shot by Lou. And it, it's it's the season was great. And then you had moments where you just like, damn it, Jonathan Isaac is down again. He's out for the season. You know, the Magic aren't gonna make it. The plane is is out of reach. Then you get hear rumors about Fred Van Vliet. Like there's there's just so many moments this season that you're just kind of like, I don't know what to do. Like, so in my opinion, the five and twenty, I was indifferent. At this point, we're we're used to losing, right? My fear was that we bring we have Paolo Bancaro now. And we're just like, man, this is this is what we're teaching you. We're teaching you that this is and welcome to Orlando, man, where where we don't get where we don't get wins. And he was just recently on a podcast where he was talking about like, man, I I, I wasn't I wasn't used to losing. It's the first time I've ever lost in my whole basketball career, like losing in that in that fashion. And um, you know, again, we we're, we're just used to losing so much that it was kind of like, all right, so I guess I guess we're in the draft because everyone has the same feeling, right? Which is this is the last draft. Right. Yep. You you feel confident yep. in saying that this is the last draft. Right. We we yeah, hear that sure. we hear that all the time. This is this is it. There is and that's that's the biggest thing that I want people to remember. When it comes to this season, next season, next season, there's expectations. This when, year there were kind of expectations. Like we kind of mm-hmm. like if it happens, cool. But how much can you really put on a team that only won 22 wins last season? Right. You can't just say, well, you guys won 22 last season, so you guys have to make the play playoffs this year. You have to make the play in this year, even though you just came off of a 22-win season. You can't do that. Now the pressure's on. Congratulations. You guys won 34 games. Now the, the next the step is, know it too. is playing. Yeah. The players know it. So that's what I like the most. The players know that next year, it's not a more this. We're hoping to be good. We got to be good. Yeah. So so in my in my opinion, 34 wins – it exceeded my expectations completely, 100%. Uh, we need to go back and listen to the episode where we we kind of put our predictions. Um, but, man, 34 definitely did. Because you had people yeah. saying that we weren't even going to crack 30. Yeah, I think I, I did go back, I think, last week and I listened to it. I think you, you said crack 30s, which we definitely did. And I think I said 32, if I'm not mistaken. That's the best case scenario. We did 34. So like you, it definitely met my expectations, exceeded my expectations, to be honest with you. Um, and that's considering the fact that our last three games or so, we ended up kind of tanking. So we really could have won 34, 35, had we not turned on the tank on. So again, definitely way better than I expected, um, considering again, that we're going to be a young team. Injuries have been an issue for us in the past, but looking back at it, it was a roller coaster of a season, as you mentioned, so many good things, so many bad things happened all within a few months. Um, but ultimately the, the end result, 34 wins definitely exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Now when you, when you look at this team, who would you say is the MVP? Like who would you give that to? I mean, we, we had a stellar season from Franz, a stellar season from rookie season from Paolo. But when it comes to like that MVP of this team, I mean, who's, who's getting your nod? 
It's tough, man. Because you think of Paulo, he was, you know, the anchor for us in a way. Like that guy that finally gave us that, that scoring punch that we've needed for so many years. Franz, I think you nicknamed Iron Man. I believe I, I, I saw you on Twitter because dude just shows up in place no matter what happens to him. So we need that. We need a guy that's always there that we can count on every night. That's Franz for you. But I got to go with Markel, man. I think Markel faults the change, the impact that he had on this team from the moment that he came back from injury. Mind you, he's coming back from a torn ACL, a, a, a toe injury, and this will come in and just simply change the team right away. It, it was no joke. That tweet about Ford seed, he really meant it. Like he started playing with this like composure and, and demanding better from his teammates right away. And there were some ups and downs when he was just getting used to coming back into the core and playing, playing heavier minutes. But once it hit that stride, man, this kid was amazing. Um, so just for that purpose alone, like we saw the team without Markel, and he wasn't pretty, 5-20. and 20, we, we just talked about it. With him on the court, 29-28. It made a huge difference. So if I had to give the award to someone this year, it's got to be Markel Fultz for me. How about you? I don't see how you cannot not give it to Markel Fultz. Like, Paulo Bancaro, he's he's your number one pick. Although it's a rookie year, I don't care who you draft with that number one pick. You're expecting big things from your number one pick player. Like You're expecting this person to be an, an all-star caliber player. You're expecting them to be franchise-changing. There's a lot of expectations when it comes to being that number one pick. So the fact that Paulo Bancaro ended up being Paulo Bancaro, like the person that you know, like now people are thinking back, like, dude, what the hell were we thinking? How was he not number? How was he not the contestants number one? How is he not that guy? Yeah. Right. So there, there's expectations of him playing well. Uh, Franz Wagner, he got better this year, but you also expected him to get better this year. Like you weren't expecting for him to be like Scotty Barnes and take a step back. Like you weren't expecting that. You expected him to get better, especially the show that he put on for Germany. Right? He was a monster. He we saw it coming. In, yeah, he came into the NBA rolling with that same momentum and he balled out. Markel Fultz, in my opinion, clearly showed that this team is different with him on leading the leading the race, right? Leading the run. And from a from a playmaking standpoint to him just jumping out of the gym and just doing some nasty, ridiculous stuff. Like my man just recently did a fast break windmill just effortlessly. Like his bunnies improve out of nowhere. And then he leaves, he leaves us with a little teaser at the end with his jump shot looking smooth, like straight out of Washington. And it, it's it's impossible for this guy for you not to say that he's easily our MVP. Like we do not survive. Like if if Franz gets hurt, knock on wood, and he's out for a little bit, I feel confident enough to where. You know, obviously we won't be the same team, but I think that we can still survive. Apollo, I think that we could still survive. I'm not saying he's out missing 20 games. Like, relax. I'm not saying that. But, like, a couple games, I think that we can survive. We can still manage a win. But without Markel Fultz, I don't I don't know. We, we don't we don't run the same way. We don't operate the same way. So I, I would definitely give, give Markel that nod. But what about most improved? When you look at the names down the list, like, who are you giving most improved to? So the options that we came up with is Markel, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs. I think, um, only, I think there's only one right answer. You think so? 
I, I may so. surprise you then. Let's let's see. I'm gonna give it to, to Jalen Sucks. I think, in my opinion. So you didn't surprise me. Okay, good. Because I I was really close. <laughs> I was between Jalen and Cole. I really was because Cole showed me a lot this year, a lot more consistency, especially after the All Star break. He became that six man, that guy that we need off the bench to lead the team in scoring. And he did it consistently for the first time in his career. So I would consider that a huge improvement because we we wanted that and we've needed that. He finally did it. But Jalen sucks, man. Not only was he able to stay healthy, not only did it seem like the game slowed down for him, defensively, this dude is a beast. But that three-point shot, man, that three-point shot got better and better and better as the year went on. And we've said it all year long. The moment this kid just hits three-point shots consistently, it's over because he gets to the basket pretty easily. He can defend well. All he needs is the outside shot to be a threat, to be to be defended out there, to open up the game for other guys. And he is doing that. So in my opinion, he is the most improved player for the team this year. And not for nothing, man, if he is our starting shooting guard next season and that's like what we're doing, I'm perfectly fine with that because if he spends the whole summer continuing to work on that shot, it's only going to get better. So in my opinion, Jalen Suggs is that guy for me. Yeah, yeah, easily Jalen Suggs. And it's not even you know, most improved from last season to this season because the beginning of the season, I think we can all agree, it's a little rough for Jalen Suggs, right? Um, there, there was so many talks of just people like kind of losing faith in Jalen Suggs early in the season. And then out of nowhere, it was a switch just like that. Like my man leaned into his defensive abilities and really leaned into that skill. And it's been beautiful. Like watching him play defense is beautiful Crazy. to watch. Like you enjoy watching him play defense on whoever because he is wreaking havoc, man. He makes players feel so uncomfortable when he's guarding him. And God forbid this man gets a steal and a fast break. It's just it's showtime, man. It's it's super fun to watch. I think Jalen Suggs is he he made great strides with his three point shooting. Offensively, you can kind of see it going around, coming around. Um, his three-point shot, one of the biggest things that we've always said, even though he wasn't hitting it, is that it looks good. The form looks good. Beautiful. The the release looks amazing. The rotation, you know, it, it looks on par. So the issue wasn't ever can he shoot, is when will the shooting start to hit? And I think that towards the end of the season, we really started seeing, you know, the ball go through the basket. Now we just hope that it carries over. Jalen Suggs is tough as nails, man. How many times have we seen him fall to the floor? Every game. Dude, this ain't, every this ain't fo- <laughs> yeah, this ain't football. My man still managed to get a concussion. Like he, he's he's a tough kid, man. I, I just I just wish that he would he wouldn't get hurt as much. But he's another Iron Man. Somehow he finds a way to make it back into the game. And I think that this is pretty much an easy one. Defensive player of the year. Who are you giving that nod to? So the options are Wendell Carter, Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris. I'm going to surprise you on this one. I think individually Jalen is a beast, but the most impact on this team, I'm going to give it to Wendell Carter, man. I don't know if you remember when he was out injured for a few days, a few weeks with that foot injury that he was dealing with. This team could not stop anyone in the paint. We could not rebound. We could not block a shot. We could not just stop the opposition from going to the basket. So Wendell Carter has this weird impact on our team. He's not a great shot blocker. He's not a great rebounder per se, but he finds a way to impact the entire team by his presence. I don't know if he's a vocal guy or not, but he seems to be in the right place where he needs when he needs to be in the right place. So 
Based on that stretch alone, I'm going to say without Wendell Carter, this team is not the same. I, I love, you know, Mo Wagner. I, I used to like Mo Bamba a lot when, whenever he got a chance to play. Goga, whoever it is, like those guys. But as far as an impact on the defensive end, I think Wendell is that guy for me. So individually, Jalen is a beast. Nobody can, can take that from him. For the team, though, I think defensive player of the year, because of the impact they had on the team, it's going to be Wendell for me. I'm I'm still going Jalen Suggs. I agree with you. I think that Wendell has flashes. He has his moments. I just think Jalen Suggs on a consistent basis, like just skill wise, he has he has the opportunity to be you know all all defense. Like at some point in his career, at, at least once. I think that uh, again, someone someone had said in one of the spaces. I, I can't remember who it is. I'm sorry, I can't quote you because I, I I don't remember. Um, but they they said that Jalen Suggs on defense is what Steph Curry is on offense. And I thought, I'm like, well, why? No. But when you really think about it, it's just he, he's so elite at that at that one skill, and he he doesn't stop. You know you know how when you see Steph Curry just kind of running left and right through picks and, and everything, he's just nonstop moving? Like, I, I, f- I feel like Jalen Suggs brings that level of that, that level of element. Like on the yeah. defensive end, I just I can see it. Wh- whether it's effort, whether it's passion, and that that's all like football attitude. Like being able to take pride on the defensive end, even even him as as like a, a quarterback, like you you can just kind of see that he likes that type of that type of hit, that type of you know physicality. He enjoys and, it, and he thrives it. He thrives in it. Yeah. All right. So this this one is uh this one is is a big one. Who has disappointed you the most? this season and the options that that we put in there was bobo chuma okay okay and how do we not add jonathan isaac man it's a tough one because bobo for the first couple of months had me thinking my goodness we we literally stole this guy from the celtics for free we got paid to take him and this dude was averaging like 14 points eight rebounds shooting the ball well and then COVID hit him early January, and the dude just was never the same after that. So I'm going to say that maybe that's why he never came back being the same player because of COVID, but that's probably not it. But Chuma, also a huge disappointment, man. We, we have such high hopes for this kid. But even worse than that, it's going to be J.I., man. We waited for so long. We waited, what, almost three years to watch this guy come back. And unfortunately, he lasted, what was it, 11 games? playing on a heavy, heavy minutes restriction, and unfortunately, another setback. Um, we talk about the playing opportunities, like, like having a chance. I truly believe have J.I. been healthy, and those minutes gone from 15 to 20 to 25 maybe towards the end of the season. Some of those games that we lost, we would have probably won. And we might have maybe still missed the playing, but like by a game or two games, not by five or four, whatever it was that we ended up missing it by. So because of that, it's going to be J.I., man. We, we've suffered so much waiting for this day to come, this guy to come back, stay healthy, help us out. And unfortunately, that didn't happen this year once again. So J.I. is my guy. How about you? How do you not pick Jonathan Isaac? And I think that the reason why we would select Jonathan Isaac as the most disappointing is because there was so much hype to have him back. And I think that that, that kind of elevated you know, the fall that much more because not only were you hyped that you got him back, 
not only was was the time frame of how long he's been gone, right? But in the 11 games that we were able to see him play, or even like if you're counting the Lakeland, you know, another two games on top of two, three games on top of that, man, the, the, the questions that everyone was having was, can he still be the same Jonathan Isaac? And he gave us the same Jonathan Isaac, maybe not in the same capacity, but in, in the, the spur of moments, we saw that this is a player that was still trying to get his feet underneath him. This was a player that was only seeing 10, 11 minutes a game. And the fact that in those 10, 11 minutes a game, whew, defensively, offensively, grabbing rebounds, like he was so exciting to watch in those minutes. And the craziest thing that happened was it elevated our play. Like we started playing way better with him on the court. We would be mm-hmm. down X amount of points and somehow we're back in the game like that quickly. Our bench unit. Sick. Insane. It's like the, the other team was hoping that we put the starters back in because <laughs> defensively between Jalen and, and Jonathan Isaac together, they were just so fun to watch. So I think for me, it's it's Jonathan Isaac. Now, the great news about Jonathan Isaac, this is something that they were talking about in the exit interviews is that they do expect Jonathan Isaac to be ready by the start of the season. They're saying it. They're saying it. Jonathan Isaac is saying it. Jeff Waltman is saying it. Because before... Gee, I even said that he's ready to get back to full basketball activities within the next couple of weeks, according Mm -hmm. to him. Right. So that means that, man, if you're ready to go full all out by end of April, you're going to have almost five months to prepare yourself for the season. But yep. this is my problem. We shouldn't be hearing them conditioning come October because you have the no. whole summer to just run sprints no, to no, do no. whatever it takes to active be a for, thousand percent active, ready. active for training camp. And you know that they're still going to be precautious. Oh, yeah. It'll still be, he'll go into the season with minute restrictions just to kind of see how his body is reacting to like NBA level speed. Um, but they're they're expecting for him to go. And you know, Jeff Wellman also said that out of all the crazy injuries that Jonathan Isaac has ever had, he said this was the lead, this is a the the, the I don't I can't remember how he worded, but the smallest injury, the least impact, whatever it is, that he should be ready. And I'm expecting for us to go into training camp with Jonathan Isaac ready to go. Jeff Wellman even also added saying that he's going to be a big part of what we do next season. So yep. for those that are off the John Jonathan Isaac uh, train and and think that that say we should move on, front office doesn't think that way. They're going to no. go into the season ready to go with JI. There's some life to the JI still in Orlando. It seems like. Yeah. Um, favorite moment of the season. Talk to me. Crazy things has happened this year. What would you say is? your favorite moment of the season? I think we talked about it already. And just for our list, what we came up with was GI's return, that first game at home. We talked about the five-game winning streak in December, beating the Celtics twice, and Paolo's clutch play against the Pelicans um, late in the season. For me, it's easy, man. How can you not go with beating the Celtics twice in Boston? Just because... There was so much momentum being paid. I mean, number one, so much attention being paid to, to the Magic because of all the drama that happened with Eddie House. But the fact that they answered playing in Boston, a hostile environment, 
whatever you play there, back to back, a team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, they were healthy. Tatum didn't play that second game, but still, they were healthy. Um, that to me was the moment of the season for me. Like that made me believe that this team had potential to beat anyone any given game. Um, so when we talk about that going from, hey, let's tank because we're not going to win that many games to all of a sudden switching to, hey, there's a chance. That was a key moment for me. The fact that we beat the Celtics twice on the road. Uh, and I think the NBA took notice as well. So that has to be the my favorite moment of this past season. What about you? I think my favorite moment, just to kind of pick something that we haven't already discussed, hasn't happened yet. I think my favorite moment of the season is going to be when Paolo wins rookie of the year. Because that's the one thing that's the one thing that we can kind of hang our hat on. I think that that's something that you know it's 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 an accomplishment that doesn't just like I, I hope in in if he comes out with some type of communications, just kind of thanking everyone. I hope that he takes a moment to thank his teammates because throughout the whole entire season, we're not in the locker rooms. We can't tell you exactly, but throughout the whole season, what I've seen is a roster throughout the whole year supported one another. There wasn't one time where they weren't trying to hype each other up. There wasn't one time where, you know, they weren't supporting a player by wearing their jersey. Like when Jonathan Isaac came back, everyone was wearing a number one. Um, there wasn't a moment where on social media, they weren't, you know, sharing each other stuff. Um, Jalen Suggs, when he had his, his, um, uh, his jersey retired, you know, they the whole team the whole team was there to support Jalen Suggs. Um, I, I think that chemistry wise, this this team was a really, really special group. I actually saw today that uh Doc Rivers was talking about his Clippers team that he had, mm -hmm. and he was like, There's no there's no wonder why we we didn't get far because the team didn't like each other. You look at the Rockets, the Rockets have issues with their coach. They they didn't mm -hmm. like one another. Like you have so many of these stories and I can't I can't think of one time that I've heard any of these players have any issues with anybody with anybody. It it is it is beautiful to watch. I don't take it for granted because I can change at any given moment. All it takes is for the magic to not do their due diligence and bring in, you know, someone with a personality that just doesn't mesh with every everyone else. And I think that that's the part that's kind of scary when it comes to still trying to build your team. Um but man, the magic go for high character, good character guys, and they you can tell like why they do that. And it's because there there's there's a good there's a great bond. Um and even even with RJ Hampton being moved, Terrence Ross being moved, um, Mo Bamba being moved, not even moved, they got waved. Like the the way that the front office has handled this whole franchise, nobody can say anything bad about how we've conducted our business. We're gonna we could try to get another second round pick for you or whatever, but we're gonna let you go and you decide where it is that you want to go. That's that's yeah. throwing out good karma in the world. So if I if I'm gonna put my my favorite moment of the season is winning that rookie of the year. And that rookie of the year should be an award for everyone because everyone was there every step of the way to support Paolo and and accept him. No, no ego, no nothing. You're the number one pick. We're gonna get through it together. And we're you know, you strive, you thrive, we thrive. 
And that's a beautiful thing to see, man. It's, it's not just, they're not just saying the words, right? We're seeing the actions behind that as well. And as a magic team that's growing, that the community is rallying behind, it's a beautiful thing to see, man. So hopefully that continues for many years to come. But that Apollo announcement, I expect to hear very soon because there's no way he's not getting that award. Yeah. Um, anyways, what's next? NBA draft lottery will be on May 16th. And I believe that that is on a Tuesday. Yes, sir. May 16th. And then followed by the NBA draft on June 22nd. And then the starter free agency on June 30th. So as as you see, as we're sitting here talking to you, April 13th, we're literally less than uh, almost less than a month away to being able to find out where we end up drafting. And then we have to wait a whole nother month to find out who will draft. And then we only wait a couple of days for the free agency uh, frenzy to begin. And then we kind of finally get a chance to really see what this team will look like going into the NBA season, but not before we get to see our draft picks play in the summer league. So a lot of, a lot of great basketball things will be occurring um, really, really soon, man. So exciting things to watch. Uh, we appreciate BJ for joining us today. Uh, BJ dropped his information on where to follow him. Make sure that you're doing that. He just dropped, a really good vi video on Paolo Bancaro winning Rookie of the Year. So that's exciting. Go ahead and check that out. And uh, one of the things that you'll see is that we'll, we're going to end up having more and more YouTube content. So it's, uh, we're, we're putting a focus around building our YouTube channel. So be on the lookout for that. But on that note, man, it's, it's a wrap. Great recap. And we'll catch you guys next week. For all the latest magic news and updates, visit OrlandoMagicHQ.com and follow us on Instagram at OrlandoMagicHQ and on Twitter at OMagicHQ. Also, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe and leave a five-star review on your favorite listening platform.